Welcome everybody to another episode of the Nerd Continuity where we talk about design, development and all the other crazy sort of stuff that we find online. I'm your host, Alex, and I have a sore throat and with me as usual, my co-host, Chris Perko. Hello, Chris. Hello. Hey. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty, pretty good. As you can see from my voice that it's coming from the bottom of a barrel, I, I have a terrible sore throat. I don't know why. Probably because just a couple of hours ago, I recorded four tutorials at once. <laughs> it destroyed my throat. Like you're uh, crazy, sir. Yeah, I'm crazy. I think I should go to like <laughs> singing classes, like those voice classes yeah. that they teach you how to use the diaphragm and not the throat. Because I'm, yeah, I'm terrible at that. But whatever. How are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. I wanted to start off by congratulating you on your wedding. Oh, and, thank you, thank you. And also, I don't know what you call it, but uh, the YouTube, um, you can now like join your channel. Oh, on top yes. of subscribing. Yeah, that's uh, true. So congratulations on that, because not many channels have that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was it was a surprise actually, because I was um, that's I think if I'm not wrong, it's called membership. Like you can just like pay four ninety nine a month to have a membership, mm -hmm. and you can have extra stuff that are silly, just like you have more badges on the chat. Like it's stupid right. things that <laughs> that they add zero values as <laughs> they literally. But um, I I knew that. YouTube was rolling out, slowly rolling out these new features for channels to uh, with hundred hundreds of thousands of subscribers and up. Mm -hmm. So not below hundreds of 100,000 subscribers. But yeah, that I got a notification and I activated and I actually a little sneak, sneak peek. I got a notification that I can activate the merchandise. So if I oh, upload cool. Uh, design for t-shirts and hats and mugs and stuff like that then that thing is uh, all like handled by YouTube the payment the shipment and all this kind of oh, wow. like they they That's take really cool. I think they take a huge cut off of it but at least like I don't have to deal with that on a side on another website it's all integrated all together so yeah I think next week I'm gonna try to to publish something some some nice design with the yeah, some super simple shirts super simple yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's still still going on like I haven't said that in probably a year <laughs> or two but like yeah user still comment that yeah. <laughs> still let me know that my English is terrible so that's that's great yeah. like, I love it <laughs> yeah it's okay um on an, on the same note of congratulating like congratulations to you for your uh serious like a game development intro to game development series was mm -hmm. picked up by uh what was that code academy no uh, free code camp free code camp how how that happened yeah. I honestly don't know because that series has very low viewer numbers on my channel. Mm -hmm. um, one of the guys from Freed Code Camp reached out to me and was like, hey, we'd like to take your videos, put them all together in one video and put them on our, our channel. Um, you know, they couldn't pay me, of course, because it was, you know, Freed Code Camp, mm -hmm. but they gave me exposure. So uh, it was really cool to see my video within the first week, see like, you know, 7,000 views. Oh, my I God. Yeah, when normally my videos have like, you know, even the best ones have a few hundred. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's um, hard. Yeah, and I, I gained like 85 subscribers, which was just about no double what shit. I had before. Yeah, so it was, it was really exciting. Um, it was really cool to see it on another channel like that. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully, hopefully I'll have more videos go out to them. We'll, we'll see. Nice. That's amazing. Uh, is this going to steer your attention towards more game development? I don't know. Um, 
you know, this is kind of a hobby for me. So yeah. I kind of want to just do whatever I feel like doing at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I definitely was planning on doing a more advanced series on using like libgdx or mm-hmm. possibly unity i i've never used unity uh but i know it's very popular mm-hmm. um but either one would definitely require me to to like for libgdx i haven't touched it in years so yeah. i would definitely need to revisit it and really work on the content before i start making those videos <laughs> yes um, so yeah i don't know um Definitely want to keep doing like some web development stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm planning on releasing another Fitbit video this week. Oh, nice. Um, hopefully have a little bit of a Halloween theme to it. So, uh, yeah, I'll see. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I remember you tweeted, I think a week ago or like a couple of days ago, that you were trying to diversify yourself, right? Like you were... Uh, yeah. I, I can relate to that. Like you were kind of getting a little bit bored about doing the same thing, right? Yeah, I mean... I've been doing web development for several years now. Yeah. Uh, before that, I actually did some uh, GTK work, um, but I'm, I think it's changed quite a bit now. <laughs> uh, I did some GTK with Python. Uh, wow. Some just random like Python scripting, Perl scripting. And um, and then I kind of moved into web development, mm-hmm. and I kind of missed doing some more like desktop stuff or like Android. I, I messed around with Android and I uh, haven't looked at it in probably four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that Kotlin has gained a lot of popularity, I want to check that out. And so there's just a lot of stuff that I want to play with because, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of web development, pick up a new framework, you're doing the same thing with just a little bit different. That's true. That's something that I noticed. I can totally relate other than like, yeah, there are new technologies. I don't know, like Mm -hmm. the new version of JavaScript or the new framework or whatever, the new package that you can use after a little bit, it gets kind of repetitive. It gets kind of like boring. Uh, that's also that's one of the many reasons why I I decided to start coding Linux application and learn Vala and GTK because it's a completely mm-hmm. different environment, and I personally I never coded with a type language like I studied at the university C plus plus but mm-hmm. I hated it so much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use it so I was like oh all the like computer languages are like this okay let's do web <laughs> yeah yeah it was like really challenging for me but no i i really love vala and i love to like i i was able to diversify mm-hmm. my, my myself and my my skills it's it's great you should you should definitely do it uh one thing if you like uh game development i i never tried it but i want to give it a shot uh godot engine or godot i don't know how it's pronounced I don't know mm-hmm. if you ever heard about it. I haven't, no. Uh, Godot Engine is an open source game engine for like to, to build games. It's really similar to Blender, has a lot of, uh, okay. uh, they can kind of like collaborate with Blender and the developer created also some uh, implementation and add-ons for Blender. It's built in Python, I think. And it's okay. getting a lot of momentum and popularity. It's just like a lot of independent studios, independent game artists are using Godot Engine to build their games. And it's like, it seems really powerful. Um, Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's start our episode. And we don't have a specific topic today because we haven't done a podcast in probably 
four <laughs> weeks or two months at least, yeah. yeah we're terrible and keeping tab like we're so busy or we're just lazy one of the oh, like yeah. either or both it's fine but there are a lot of news and the first news that i would love to start with it's kind of like a weird news that it's Unfortunately, it's happening more and more often in, in a lot of like, especially like in blockchain or cryptocurrency, stuff like that. The fact that the owner or the founder or something suddenly disappears and goes away and <laughs> takes all the money and everything is a shit show. So it happened last week to the Solus project. Solus is a Linux distribution, kind of like really popular Linux distribution that it's really polished. It's... Uh, well really well received and well considered by the users mm -hmm. and the founder of solus ek Ike, i don't know how to pronounce it it's like from uh, the like north europe um basically it's been two months is missing completely disappeared like off off the grid and the the money that solus was getting via uh, patreon were mm -hmm. actually going directly to his bank account <laughs> and the people working at solus or collaborating they have no access whatsoever to this money so the wow. servers of solus went down for a lot like for a week because no one paid the bill <laughs> and uh and yeah so the the developers whatever is left in charge at solos wrote these lengthy blog posts that is not a blog post it's a transcript of an audio interview of like a half an hour audio interview where mm -hmm. they go through the entire process like what happened when the first thing like the weird things with the founder of solos starting to happen that it was like working less and less on solos and stuff like that until mm -hmm. the day where he completely disappeared and he said like sorry i'm sick i will talk to you tomorrow afternoon and then after 30 days no no further <laughs> messages and they say in this blog post if you have donations uh going towards patreon just completely cancel it because yeah. all those money we cannot access them so yeah it's pretty sketchy <laughs> what do you, what do you think about this yeah it's, uh, <laughs> i mean I don't know. I guess you know, with with open source software, you have to have a lot of trust and a lot of ethics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like you may be using a package on npm, and the author may decide, "I'm just going to rip this out of here," and all of a sudden, that's true. That happened know, in the past, right? Yeah, it has. Yeah. And so, you know, same thing with this, where this guy's getting the money, and he's, you know, supposed to be using it to hire developers to work on this open source mm -hmm. project. Um, and then all of a sudden these guys are out their salary and people using the software, it's, you know, if the servers go down, you know, parts of it are unusable yeah. or you can't download it or, you know, it's, uh, uh it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, I don't know if that happened in the past with an open source project with a Linux distribution like that. I know it happened and we heard a lot about these cryptocurrencies website that mm -hmm. founders of this, or even with Kickstarter campaigns. There were yeah. like these stupid fake Kickstarter campaigns getting millions of dollars for a Damas product and then yeah. completely just shutting down everything and just disappearing and buying a yeah. house in Costa Rica and that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the objective. But yeah, I don't know if it already happened with a Linux distribution. I think this is one of the first time that happens like that, especially because Linux distributions are so open in pretty much everything yeah. in the process in the source code in uh the people that they work for and the the the, the community re is really active so 
yeah, it's kind of weird and it's it makes you think a lot. Like, uh, hopefully it's not going to damage other Linux distribution or also the developers that are still working on solos. They can right. keep going because it's actually really good. So. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they can set up their own Patreon or some kind of payment system and, and get enough people to switch over to it to... Mm -hmm to keep the lights on and to pay everybody and, and continue on. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. Well, whatever. People are garbage, so okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on. So Facebook apparently, allegedly, I would love to say, um, <laughs> inflated, like immensely inflated video stats of the Facebook platform. So all your videos that are going on Facebook uh, basically was like Facebook was telling to journalists or like newsrooms and stuff like that, hey, our videos are getting hundreds of thousands and millions of hits per day and wasn't actually true, like completely false. And you could think maybe, oh, this is not a big deal because everyone inflates kind of like this, the statistics. Analytics are kind of like stupid. If you use mm -hmm. them internally, it's good. If you use them to gain more money, it's kind of like, do you really trust it? And especially with Facebook. But the problem is that by doing this, Facebook changed because of the massive user base and the involvement that they have in everyday lives of everyone basically drastically caused the... Mm -hmm. uh, the, the the firing like a lot of journalists lost their jobs because yeah. of these video platform that Facebook pushed a lot because a lot of newsrooms said okay so we get 200% uh, more engagement in doing video we don't need uh, a, a written piece we need a video piece so let's not hire yeah. a journalist let's write a video editor and uh so yeah, that's that like a lot of so Facebook is again like was sued because of this, obviously. <laughs> and but I don't think any nothing will happen. I don't think it's No, I mean especially when I mean how much is Facebook worth nowadays? I mean how many billions? <laughs> you know, you, you sue them for a few hundred million, okay, whatever. Here you go, pay it out. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna make it back in the next minute. <laughs> Yeah, it's... Uh, and then those video views, especially if you're if you're paying for impressions or paying for views, um, and then they're telling you, "Oh, you got three million views. It's going to cost you this much money," and, and you're not getting those views, then mm -hmm. I mean, that's just that's just fraud. Yeah, no, it's it, yeah. They, I think they are getting sued for fraud, hundred yeah. uh, percent. Already, when Facebook launched the video stuff, I think in like twenty. 2013 2014 it was like really early uh immediately they were claiming they were having more views than youtube which is kind of silly like what, yeah how is that possible <laughs> and then they they released the fact like oh no actually youtube consider a view like a hit of a view after 10 seconds if the user plays for more than 10 seconds mm -hmm. the video it's fine it's a view it's counted uh, right. facebook counts a view after three seconds so basically, oh. every time you scroll your page and all those stupid videos, they autoplay. <laughs> There's no way to stop it other yeah. than changing the settings of your browser. Um, you scroll through Facebook, those videos start, and probably you're reading the headline, three seconds have passed, that's considered a view. Or you're reading the next post because you can see like exactly. three posts on a page. So. So it's like it's totally useless for your like the advertiser or the journalist that I want my video to be viewed, but people mm -hmm. watch it for four seconds. They 
didn't see anything. They probably didn't even pass through the initial screen of the title of the video and that's it. But Facebook is like, hey, no, this video was watched a million times. So continue. Yeah. It's just like, it's so stupid. And But yeah, so Facebook, it's garbage and keeps getting hacked. Uh, millions of accounts getting hacked and now also this fake fake analytics, which is yeah. great. Wow. <laughs> Way to go, Facebook. Majestic. Way to go, Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, it's like I was listening to a podcast like the old grampy, no, grampy old geeks. It's a really great podcast. These guys, mm -hmm. they complain, they rant about everything, but it's so <laughs> funny. And they said like Facebook is the only company that didn't do anything good. In the entire world what's what's yeah. the good thing that facebook baby like helped you to reconnect with your high school friends is That's that about it. is that a good thing though yeah i mean for me i i pretty much just use it to keep in touch with my family because we all live yeah. in various parts of the country but you know other than that and you know with the amount of money they make i mean i i really look up to people like like bill gates yeah you know one of the richest men in the world and he spends so much money on on helping people yeah exactly um, I mean, Facebook could easily do something like that. No, let's, so. <laughs> no, let's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Okay, well. Uh, so Microsoft announced uh, about the same time last week when uh, the acquisition of GitHub like officially went through that they are open sourcing over 60,000 of, of their patents. Wow. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they're open sourcing. Um, you know, we had talked about this several mm. months ago when they, you know, were first getting into open source. We, we were talking about that and how weird it was for Microsoft to make this switch from being such a closed source company, making money off of, you know, selling you products that you don't have access to the source code mm -hmm. to just being like, here, you know, we've got VS Code, which is open source. Whereas before Visual Studio, if you got like the professional IDE that you would sell to like corporations, it was like, you know, 600 bucks a license <laughs> or whatever. Um you know, and now they're open sourcing all these patents. It's, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm hoping they're doing this for good. Uh, it'd be really awesome to see things like Excel be open source and then developers can add plugins for it. And, you know, kind of like you do with VS code and, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to see them move into this model. Um, I mean, I, I guess they're still going to be very profitable with this. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they've, they've definitely moved into, building their own hardware now like they've mm -hmm. got like the the surface laptop that i just recently bought the surface tablets and things so you know maybe they're pushing more for the the devices and mm -hmm. then more open source software i don't know yeah no and we saw that we we talked also about when microsoft first acquired github right you remember we talked about that it was like yeah. and and it, it was kind of funny not really funny but there are a lot of like open source projects inside github that they have uh ongoing lawsuit with Microsoft because of patents infringement. And now Microsoft is releasing all these patents that they have as open source and mm -hmm. it's basically closed a lot of open lawsuits that he yeah. was having with these open source projects. And it's, I don't know, I feel like... <sighs> Like, I want to trust Microsoft, but the history, <laughs> like, it's been like, yeah. okay, it's been a couple of years that they're doing kind of good, but not really because of the all the spying of Microsoft, like Windows mm -hmm. 10 and the fact that, uh, just to touch upon that, like, the latest couple of updates of Windows 10 completely deleted 
user data, like the folders yeah. and files. So yeah, do you want to trust them? But do you really want to trust them? They yeah. they're stepping into open source, and there's a lot of like old uh, Linux users that they mm -hmm. they claim that this is just another strategy for Microsoft to uh, like join the open source movement, extend it. Feels mm -hmm. like it's doing a great job, and then extinguish it because now Microsoft <laughs> is the open source. Yeah. Ah, could be. Um, yeah. Like, what What do you think if Microsoft in a year or two said, okay, well, GitHub is not really profitable. Let's shut it down. Let's all switch to SVN because we like SVN or whatever it was Microsoft thing. What was that? Net? Um, yeah, I think I think it's called Visual Studio Online or yeah. uh, uh, Team Found... What was it? It used to be called Team Foundation Server. Team I'm View? Sure Team Viewer? Something like that. Wow. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, wow. I used to use it. Uh, Git was, you know definitely better with you know any any kind of git service mm -hmm. um but yeah it is interesting that they bought github even though they have their own source control and um i don't know i'm hoping that it that it's you know good and it's not something malicious like shutting down linux um i don't think they they would because i know that like the windows subsystem for linux is built into windows 10 now and mm -hmm. and it it's really cool i mean you can you know use windows 10 and still run PHP on a Linux on the same computer like it's yeah. it's uh it's pretty interesting and it's gotten a lot better over like the last year mm -hmm. so I I think that they're doing it for good I really <laughs> hope that it's not malicious but uh yeah. I guess only time will tell <laughs> oh my god yes finger crossed well it's it's open source so whatever if they shut it yeah. down we can fork it and <laughs> build another version with beers and poker um the other thing that Microsoft is is shifting focus before it was a lot of like home computer desktop now it's a lot of like cloud that's why it is like investing a lot in the yeah. open source in linux because linux is the cloud so it's pushing a lot microsoft azure they're announced they announced i don't know how many months ago and then nothing their own linux operating system S sort of like that aws ec2 like how oh. to call AWS Linux or something. Basically, it's a Linux. It's a variation of uh, Ubuntu for AWS. Microsoft wants to do the same. It's a variation of Linux for their own server, so you can access server remotely via SSH and use simple bash commands to to manage it. Um, so they're pushing a lot on cloud. And yeah, I I heard that the latest version of the Surface Book it's really good. And it's pleasing mm -hmm. a lot of users. You have that, right? I have the Surface Laptop. Surface um, Laptop. How, yeah. How's it treating you? I really like it. Uh, I've been meaning to do a review video, and I haven't done it. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> I know, I'm terrible. Uh, the hardware is fantastic. It has the like the best screen, the best keyboard, best uh, touchpad really? next, yeah. next to like an Apple. Like I, I did a lot of playing around with, with MacBooks and. Uh -huh. I mean, the, the touchpad is definitely better on a Mac, but compared to like the XPS 13 I was messing with, mm -hmm. um, the just the build quality overall is, is really, really good. Um, the only problem that I have with it, mm -hmm. and I almost returned it because of this, and I decided not to because it's really more for my you know, my travel purposes. Mm -hmm. I, I have my desktop at home that 
um, until I screwed up my hard drive. I was running <laughs> Windows and and uh, elementary OS. Uh-huh. Um, is that you cannot install Linux on it as a like a dual boot. Uh, oh, there's an issue yeah. with the kernel where it can't detect the keyboard. Um, there is an open source uh, project by um, Jake. Hang on, I'll get it for you. Yeah, that's a typical Microsoft thing. Like, yeah, get this computer, but we're not really open. That's, you can use it yeah. just the way we want it to. That's why you don't trust it. <laughs> yeah, uh, big day. Uh, so he's got a fix that fixes pretty much every other Surface, like the regular Surface Pro, uh-huh. Surface Book. Uh, there's an issue still with Surface Laptop that he's working on yeah. um, that enable that fixes the keyboard issue. Like for some reason, the Ubuntu, yeah. I guess it's the bootloader or something, can't detect the keyboard. Yeah. So I could dual boot it with elementary and then use an external um, keyboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was making my main computer, I would definitely have like my home set up with like a keyboard and, yeah. and everything. Um, but yeah, that, that's the main thing that I was like, maybe I should return for the XPS 13, but yeah. the the battery life and the build quality is so good on that computer. I was like, you know what? It's just for travel. I have the Windows subsystem for Linux, so I can yeah. still all do, you know, I've got like Valet running on it. Oh, nice. Um, I can run Laravel on it. it. It it works great. It's not as fast as Linux. Yeah. Uh, I did some side-by-side with my System76 running my PHP unit, uh-huh. and it's definitely faster on actual Linux, um, but it's pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, I do need to do a review of that laptop. Yeah. And, Hopefully, Jake Day will have a fix for Surface Laptop soon. So wh- what do you think about this thing that, yeah, Microsoft released 60,000 patents and then you cannot install Linux on a Surface <laughs> Book? Like, it doesn't feel, it feels kind of like absurd. It's completely yeah. the opposite of what they're trying to let us think, what they're trying to do. Yeah, I, I my guess, I, I don't know a whole lot about like kernels and like low level stuff mm-hmm. like that. My guess is that they were building these devices to for Windows, you know, um, kind of like the Google Pixel is built like directly for Android, yeah. nothing else. Closed so, hardware, um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm guessing that they were just really trying to optimize it for Windows, and you know, maybe they just left off the the piece for Linux to work with the keyboard, not really as like a you can't run Linux on here, but as a just like you know, we're really trying to go for the best performance we can get out of this mm. hardware. Um, yeah, that was my guess. Yeah, uh, you can definitely right. run a virtual machine with Linux, perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, virtual machine versus yeah. full boot, really not, not ideal. Not comparable. Yeah, yeah. You're you're more optimistic than I am. But yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I don't know. Um, about yeah, laptop traveling. I'm 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 seriously considering to sell my system 76 gazelle which i love it's an amazing machine but it's too big for traveling yeah and i've been flying a lot lately and i want to keep working on a plane and it's impossible with with the the current laptop that i have so i was considering or the galaga pro from system 76 or the dell xps or mm-hmm. just to add to the confusion and uncertainty, uh, Lenovo released the new X1 Carbon, which is oh, nice. stunning and it's so powerful and so thin and light. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I was really leaning towards the Galago Pro myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the reason why I didn't was because I read a lot of reviews about the battery life. And that, that was my one of two big complaints about my system 76 is that it's big and heavy and the battery life just sucks. Like yeah. I even bought a bigger, newer battery mm-hmm. and I still could only get like two hours if I was programming. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, so I think, and if system 76 comes out with a better battery system mm-hmm. where you can get like eight hours of battery life, I would totally buy one. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, especially you're traveling like battery life. You don't want to go on a like sit behind a a, a pillar where this is the yeah. only power <laughs> socket in the entire airport and just fight with the kid that is charging his own Nintendo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. That happened. Yes, it happened. Like, hey, kid, what are you doing? That's Get not out. important. <laughs> it's not important. I'm an adult. I'm, I do important things. Just move. Let me go on Twitter. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, WordPress 5 with Gutenberg built in. It's coming soon, right? We got an early beta release or something. Yeah, it is coming soon. Um, I don't know if you're part of the, I'm sure you are, on Facebook there's like a, a WordPress advanced users group. No, um, I'm not. <laughs> no, it, it's pretty good because people post like some really obscure questions that you never think about. And oh. people come up with really clever answers on how to solve it or whatever. And I've noticed a lot of people that have been using Gutenberg and just absolutely hate it. Really? It's still going strong, the hate? Yeah. One person the other day said that they were doing a test where they built a a really long article at a lot of blocks. And when you have that many blocks, it was just the load time was horrendous and it was causing bugs. And they were saying that they were just like, I don't think Gutenberg is ready for to be the main WordPress editor. Um, really like uh, do, yeah. you, do you remember the size of the article like how big was how many blocks they were using it, w- it was very big it was definitely bigger than anything i would ever write yeah i i think maybe they were just stress testing it um yeah for sure because you know my articles are, are fairly short you know have a few images some code blocks or whatever um so i'm not sure what they're writing but i i have just seen a lot of people that are not happy with it so yeah uh, it's going to be interesting once they actually do release WordPress 5 mm-hmm. and people start upgrading to it who may not have tested. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a major... I mean, when was the last major release for WordPress? When, when did 4.0 come out? It was a long time ago, right? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, no, I don't remember. Like, I know that 3.7 was more almost 12 years ago. So... Uh, major release like 4.0 was probably around eight years ago yeah i'm sure i'm wrong but yeah (laughs) many many years ago (laughs) and with it you know they they claim that wordpress runs like what quarter of the the internet you know Uh, yeah like uh, thousands of websites like 30 percent of the blogs of the world are on wordpress yeah, I just I really hope that the upgrade screen has a lot of warnings about hey, you Jesus. need to test this stuff yeah. because I can see so many people being like, oh, new update WordPress. Okay, go ahead and update. Boom. No backups and then no yeah. articles. <laughs> <laughs> no backups, no blog posts. Yeah, it's uh it'll be interesting to see what happens when it's fully released. Yeah. Well, still uh, like hopefully they will keep the option because right now you have the option to open it with Gutenberg or open it with the old editor. So it's just like a plugin, right? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully they keep that. And yeah, especially at the beginning, they give you the option to switch, but yeah, I noticed like, um, I was like, as out of curiosity, I was going uh, back 
probably like three or four years ago when I was working at a, a digital agency and I was looking at all the clients' website, which I shouldn't say, but I still have access to their administration panel because they never change the password, but whatever, <laughs> it's on them. And I was checking and pretty much it was like 99% of those websites and I checked 12 or 13 websites. Yeah, I'd say 11 out of 12, they had at least 10 updates to do. Uh, the version of WordPress were like 4.5 and all the plugins were outdated. So the, the regular client, if it's not managed by an agency, doesn't update anything. Mm. And mm -hmm. I think with Gutenberg and WordPress 5, because of this thing, because of the, the, the breaking point of the new editor, will cause more and more, like will cause even the kind of like the hacky user to say, yeah, I don't know WordPress, but I'm gonna upgrade this new thing. Yeah. I'm gonna try, it won't do it. It's like too sketchy. Uh, it's gonna like, already the website is built on outdated <laughs> components on outdated code. <laughs> so it's, yeah, uh, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's also the thing that I implemented a bunch of, um, a couple of Gutenberg blocks in my AWPS starter theme for WordPress. But once every two weeks or three weeks, I was forced to do a, a PR or to do a fix and push something because the API of Gutenberg were completely changing. Like once every yeah. three weeks, they were changing the name, they were changing the syntax, they were changing the way you use things. So it's it shouldn't be like a software, no matter what, it shouldn't be, shouldn't change so drastically, so close to being released, to be ready for production. That feels like an alpha version that you still don't know how to write it and you still experiment instead. It was just like I don't know. It's it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't played with Gutenberg in many months uh, because of that reason. Like things kept changing, things yeah. weren't up to date with documentation, and I was like, well, this isn't working. I'm googling, <laughs> I'm copying and pasting the code. I why isn't this working? And yeah. so yeah, now that I have a beta. I mean, hopefully it'll stay locked down, but you never know. <laughs> no, it's um they didn't they didn't release a a string freeze yet for translation, so I'm I'm worried that things are going to drastically change from beta 1 to beta 2 to release candidate yeah. to the final. And yeah, there are a lot of concerns that it's it's not ready for production and it, also the concerns are related to the API. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we discussed about this in in a previous episode, but Gutenberg relies on the the REST API of WordPress, 100%, because it's all asynchronous calls to get all the data. And yeah. the REST API of WordPress have been around for years, but they have never been used so heavily by an internal component of WordPress. And now that they have been used and Gutenberg is tapping them pretty much for every click, uh, they like the developers started seeing a lot of issues with the REST API it, itself that they never fully tested and they never fully right. seen because they never stressed those API enough. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shit show. Yeah. I feel like with, you know, modern, modern web development, it's, is rest API. I mean, that's pretty much what everybody builds spas, you know, and I feel like with WordPress, they've, it's like, Oh, we have a, we have a rest API, but you know, and don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, they've never really pushed it. Like you, when you go to like WordPress tutorials, 
or you look at the codex, like they don't push it at all. No, it's all um, synchronous. Yeah. yeah, so it's like they, it's like they didn't keep up with anything, and all of a sudden they're like, now we do REST API for, for everything, and yes. and it's just a sudden change. It's uh, yeah, crazy. it's breaking. It's breaking. It's breaking shit up. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how many blogs will will crush. Yeah. Under the, <laughs> the weight of Gutenberg, we'll see. I, I'm sure it's gonna be awesome. Like I already see, for example, like in my company, we have the uh, we have an editor that that the, mm -hmm. she writes the blog post for us. Uh, actually, she doesn't write, but she 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 curate the content of all the content that we give her, and she loves Gutenberg now. Like finally, she oh, it's so easy to populate content with blogs mm -hmm. and audio. But yes, our blog posts are really short. Like, yeah top like thousand words top so you have like right. i don't know 20 paragraphs and a couple of images that's it it's really simple but if you want to write an article like the verge or if you want to do like a content piece or something like really long yes that's all api calls uh, like mm -hmm. hundreds of http requests all manage asynchronous via react and what's What's gonna be? It's gonna, yeah. It's like Jesus. Well, well, I guess we will have to wait and see where things start <laughs> to crumble. But yeah, moving on. Uh, do you know what civil is? No, I do not. Aha. Okay, uh, it's something that I'm gonna plug at the end of the episode. But I've been hooked for the past two months to a podcast called Zigzag. This podcast is. Um, uh, was founded by two former journalists, like radio journalists, that they, they wanted to create something uh, to try to save journalism and not rely on advertisers to do journalism. And they joined this civil that is a sort of like blockchain-based journalist platform. And their idea behind civil was like, okay, we're not going to rely on advertisement or funds to do the, our journalistic stuff, but we're gonna uh, sell tokens as a cryptocurrency called civil token. Everything's gonna be based on blockchain, so no one owns anything. It's everything like it's all distributed, right? Exactly, it's all distributed. Users can buy a token, and with that token, they other than funding civil, and we fund the others like all these uh radio and podcast and other like journalists like newsrooms and stuff like that um every user with a token has a uh, voting power so it's sort of like a oh. micro democracy where you can vote if a news is fake if something is not true is not correct if uh one uh, specific journalist of one specific news outlet is um toxic or is pushing fake news and stuff like that so the overall idea was kind of like utopia where everyone mm -hmm. has a voting uh right and everyone collaborates towards the best technology like i don't know best news is, like to have the best outcome right but is there a limit to how many tokens you can buy uh yes they decided to okay. uh there were a lot of rules a lot of limits and uh, i about they, to say because you could have one rich person come in there and be like i'm only gonna push my agenda yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah they they didn't want to have any whales I, I i learned a lot of technical terms in cryptocurrency they're like if you come and you buy like two millions of tokens and stuff mm -hmm. like that, you're called a whale because you start like 
grabbing everything you can and there are yeah. a lot of these whales they didn't want to have that so they put a uh, 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 some blocks about it um, you need to confirm basically in order to buy a token you had to pass 44 different steps and also was involving the confirmation of your identity so you had to upload a passport online and you had to create a uh, like a digital wallet to keep your token mm -hmm. it was like terrible ux like great idea <laughs> terrible execution and yeah. it was a disaster like they've been trying to push it for almost uh, probably six months here then they opened the token sale their goal was like eight million they mm -hmm. probably made thirty thousand dollars or something. Oh. it was brutal it was just really brutal but it was like sort of like a learning process and mm -hmm. in the podcast and it's a podcast they they did this interview with the ceo the founder of civil and it was like really candid and really open like we failed in so many ways but it was like a learning process we know that the idea is valid because we had um a lot of like positive feedback in terms of what we stand for but mm -hmm. the execution was really poor like it, it was like just that yeah user experience disaster uh, <laughs> but yeah no definitely like check the zigzag podcast the first season are like 10 episodes is really short and okay. they explain all this thing and why civil could be the solution for like ethics and journalism and stuff like that um but yeah i, I kind of like i was expecting to fail because it was mm -hmm. it's a sort of like a niche thing right right yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was like newsworthy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. A, a lot of people, even like former yeah, New York Times journalists, they, they joined Civil and they were doing something really cool. So hopefully they will be able to do something and then move forward. But yeah. Uh, next bit of news. It's a new. Did you try Laravel Telescope? I haven't tried it yet. I actually didn't know it was released because I was reading about it during Laracon. Mm -hmm. Uh, AU Australia, um, and I thought Taylor had said it wasn't going to be released till November. And then right before this podcast, I looked it up and I was like, "Oh, it's all on GitHub. You can composer install it. And yeah, everything." Um, I I am really excited about this. Yeah, I've used the debug bar, Laravel yeah. debug bar, which it's good, but it's uh, it's 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 difficult when you're working with a single page application making tons of requests. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to trying Telescope. Um, for those of you that don't know what Telescope is, Telescope is like a a full like debug suite for Laravel applications. So you can see all the requests coming in, what events are being triggered by the models, the database queries. I mean, you can see it all, mm -hmm. um, and it looks awesome. Have, have you played with it yet? No, I haven't played it, but a lot. Uh, I saw the screenshots and I was reading the documentation. Yeah, it it does everything that you need, and yeah. It's yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really excited. I'm, I'm I don't know. There's also a part of me that it's I'm kind of pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because there's this. I don't know if you noticed. There's this trend in Laravel that all the packages that someone uses or all the things that you build in Laravel for your own project. After a while, there will be part of a core Laravel package that will be available as a core Laravel package. And 
the more and more I use Laravel, the less I code or I have to code something from scratch. I just install yeah. a bunch of packages and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you throw in Nova and, yeah. and, uh, and Spark and you're, you're done pretty much. <laughs> yes. I, and uh, like also the before I remember like uh, when, I, when that happened, like six months ago, we were struggling with the authentication because we want to confirm the user email, but also authenticate the user via like automatically via uh, social media login and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then Laravel's like, hey, in 5.7, we have built-in authentication. So you don't need to use any more <laughs> other packages or yeah. the things that you built will don't matter anymore. <laughs> like what? True. Yeah, but at the same time, like it, it allows you to build stuff so fast. I mean, that's kind of like the appeal of Laravel. Is Absolutely. That yeah. How easy it is like, oh, I can just say, oh, does it make me a model? And now I'm making migration and I can mm -hmm. pull stuff from the database and add stuff and delete it. And it's, I mean, it's all working in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it is kind of like, instead of writing code, you're just kind of using these building blocks to yeah. put something together. I'm not complaining too much, but yeah, I'm complaining. <laughs> but the thing is that I noticed uh, I started using Laravel like five years ago, and mm -hmm. the more we go on, the less backend I have to code. I'm more and yeah. more coding frontend with Laravel. Yeah. Did you notice? Yeah, that? I, I completely agree. I mean, you, it's, it's like it's absurd, especially with the artisan commands. It it yeah. bootstraps anything you need. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like it's weird. I don't know. I have a, like a weird feeling. Like this new Laravel telescope, it's amazing. Something that I always wanted. And as you said, like with single page application, it's really hard to properly debug, especially mm -hmm. if you have a tons of requests and HTTP requests. Yeah. Uh, and this is gonna be super useful. But there are other packages available. Like third party users work. Like they yeah. created their own packages for this, and now they're basically no one's gonna use them. Uh, yeah, no, that is very true. <laughs> well, it is very true. What can you do? Is the do you think like that's what Taylor is doing? Like waiting for other <laughs> developers to build something that hey, I like this. Okay, <laughs> let's put it inside a lot of a core. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think he you know he pulls things from other languages. I I had read that the I, I've never really worked with Ruby on Rails. I played around with some tutorials online, but never did anything with it. But apparently the, the Rails community has, like Rails itself has its own kind of debug suite like this. And mm -hmm. that was kind of the inspiration for it. Um, and it, and this, this package is free, but I'm curious to see if, if Taylor is going to use this to move into uh, like the, was it Blackfire IO or um, some of these other like debug tools where you hook your application up to their cloud servers and they manage all of your errors and stuff and give you more feedback on like, oh, this is your response time. This, these are the errors you're getting and these are where users are, you know, your retention is failing. And I, I'm wondering if he's going to use Telescope to kind of leverage that like, oh, we now have cloud Telescope that you can use in your production environments to keep track of things. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about it. I think it's going to go that way for sure. Yeah. yeah, there are already some like paid services based on Laravel, like Spark mm -hmm. and Nova. Uh, what is that? The deployment system built in. Oh, Forge. Yeah, I really yeah. like Forge because yeah. I I don't like messing with uh <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with like DevOps stuff. Yeah. You know, if I I'm like you know what? I want a new Laravel app on a new server. I just click this button and it's done. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna in in my series of Laravel that I'm gonna plug mm -hmm. later because I'm shameless plugs all the way. Um, I'm gonna 
at the end of this year, I don't know what's going to happen, probably in 25 years, I'm going to show <laughs> my, my setup. So I boot up server, I trigger my Ansible playbook that automatically mm -hmm. installs all the things that I need on the server. And then I set up Bodyworks. So whenever I push to a specific GitHub branch, mm -hmm. automatically Bodyworks get, gets triggered and deploys to my server. And that's something that I did and I used to do before mm -hmm. Laravel Forge was a thing. And now yeah. that Laravel Forge is a thing, I'm so pissed because all my workflows are tied to that specific process, but I want to use Laravel Forge, <laughs> but I don't want to kill my previous workflows, which I right. really love, like a full control of this, but Laravel Forge looks so sweet. And it's oh, it, it's so easy to use. I mean, you can, oh, you want to add an SSL cert? Okay, go okay. ahead and click this button and you now have the, what is it, open SSL? Let's encrypt. Free one. Yeah. yeah, let's encrypt. Uh, it just installs it to your server. Yeah. And oh, you want an SSH key? Like, okay, put put your key here for your computer. Now you can SSH into the server securely. And um, you can even modify the script. What You can set it up so that, like you said, you push to a branch, it, yeah. it deploys the code. And you can modify what happens. You can, you know, maybe you uh, make want to make sure that Artisan takes the site down at the yeah. start of it. So you can do PHP Artisan down, and then yeah. while it's deploying, you just get the the regular like, oh, we'll be back shortly message. And yeah, uh, it's it's yeah, that's exactly really what I'm doing on Bodyworks. Exactly the same yeah. steps. <laughs> Hot damn, that's oh, all right. Well, I guess uh, is it true? Uh, like Laravel Forge claims zero downtime during deployment. Is it uh, true? I thought that's what Envoyer was for. Envoyer, oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's that's another one. What what's the difference? I'm always confused. On it, I'm I'm confused by it too. I think <laughs> Forge is more of like server management, uh -huh. where Envoyer is more of like uh, deployment management. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, the stuff I've got running on Laravel has so few users that I don't care if there's yeah, no, it's a, a little hiccup there for a it's minute. It's an internal when project. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but. Yeah, so I think I think Envoy is more for like the zero downtime, and I don't really know how that, yeah, how like, that works. What the, what the hell? It's magic. Well, yeah. whatever. Let's see. Laravel is it's moving forward so fast. I don't know what's gonna happen. What's gonna be? And I'm sure, like in a couple of years, we're gonna have just a user interface where you can click, 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 create my yeah website, then create my marketplace or forum for my users. And I think I saw on Twitter recently that Taylor just hired a, another developer. Oh wow! So he he's got Mohammed, and then I think there was another guy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of the country he was. I want to say it was in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think he's got two developers now working for him full time. Nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we'll see. Let's we'll see what's gonna happen. Like, uh, I'm actually really, really happy about Laravel. <laughs> you said yeah. every day. It's an amazing show. So yes, it's a great one. Go on. Yeah, don't don't, don't listen to my rants. It's fine. <laughs> um, another bit of news about Amazon because these big companies they keep screwing us up all the time. Um, have you ever used their uh, AI face recognition software? I have not, no. Uh, I used it, unfortunately. I was forced to use it. It's called Recognition with K. And mm -hmm. it's awful. It's terrible. It doesn't work. <laughs> uh, it just gives you false positive and it's terrible. But whatever. Amazon doesn't care because it's trying to uh, sell it to ICE or ICE. Mm -hmm. 
the yeah. government uh, law enforcement thing that has been on the news lately for all the inhumane things that we were doing at yes. the border. Uh, great mm -hmm. people, great guys. And now they want to use facial recognition. So whenever you're walking on the street, oh, you're an illegal immigrant. Just get it and just put it in jail like this. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is that even Amazon employees themselves are against this because mm -hmm. this software, this AI, it's really in early stages. It doesn't really work. It doesn't recognize faces. It doesn't doesn't work as it's claimed to work. And I I can confirm it. I used it for 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 work, and we were trying to identify in a video moods and uh, the, the the situation, mm -hmm. the expressions, and all this kind of stuff to return proper songs. And the only data that we were having is like, has his eyes closed? Uh, doesn't have a mustache? <laughs> like all these all these stupid things that are like it works really badly. Uh, yeah, and I mean, if you're giving this to a, a law enforcement agency. Um, this kind of reminds me of, uh, you ever see the movie Minority Report? Oh, yes. You know, where it's kind of like, oh, we, we can we can now fake things. And what, what if we tell ICE, this person is an illegal with criminal background, they've killed people, mm -hmm. and then they go out, busting the door down, might shoot and kill this person who is really just, you know, one person hacked the system and was like, I want to get this person killed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, I, think, I think before you start using it, in real world situations that are this severe, it needs to be really thoroughly tested. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, with anything, anything can be hacked. Oh it yeah, no, be. nothing is safe. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a kind of a sketchy area there. Yeah, using it, software like that for for law enforcement. Yeah, it's super sketchy, and it's it's so dystopian that. We live, we're actually living in a dystopian timeline. So we are the dark universe. That's where we're going. <laughs> you know, and like in those Star Trek sci-fi stories, there's always like the mirror universe where everything is dark right. and everything is terrible. We are that universe. That's <laughs> where we're living right now. We're seeing the first steps towards a dystopian future where Orwell could just like laugh at us and like, see, I wrote a book about it and you didn't listen. I thought it was fiction. Instead, it was like predicting the future. But yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic how fantastic in an extremely sarcastic way how all these big companies they don't really care. Like I can mm -hmm. see how like the appeal to a law enforcement uh, uh, branch, someone say, hey, sure. there could be a software that can help you identify without the human error identify mm -hmm. a person or identify someone and it's faster and it's easier there's the appeal that if it really works that could actually solve a lot of problems definitely yeah but we have like these businesses that they do it just for profit they honestly yeah. they don't give a shit about the outcome because it's not it's, they, it doesn't concern them and they just like yeah just grab like use our software which is totally in alpha and it doesn't work but yes we we're willing to sell it to you and participate in a bid for millions of dollars in fundings just because we want more money just we want yeah. to push yay capitalism and who cares but yeah yeah and it seems like all these companies that it's it's a race to ai right that is true yeah. I, mean, I took an ai course back in college back in 2008 mm -hmm. Um, and AI then was just a bunch of if statements to, to make it 
you know, well, how do we handle this type of situation? Yeah. But now that we've got like machine learning and, um, you know, like quantum computing is something that's a reality. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's it, I think it's kind of a race to get to that, that moment of like, like true AI. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think when we get there, it, it's going to be something that we're going to have to be really careful with. Mm-hmm. We can use it for a lot of great things. We can use it to figure out problems that we can't figure out. Um, but it could also be used against us. So, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and it depends, like, what company do you want to uh, be running this? Amazon, Facebook, uh, <laughs> Microsoft? Who, who do you trust the most with this <laughs> yes, kind of pick, stuff? Pick the lesser evil, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're at the point. Yeah, no, that's true. And uh, it's... Um, it's absurd that everyone now is pushing the AI without mm-hmm. really, like it doesn't really work. Like we are not at the point where AI, it's autonomous. It's still trained and controlled yes. and edited by a human. Like programmers yeah. need to check the AI. I don't remember, I I, I don't remember the name and I, I want to find the article. If I found it, I'm going to post it in the description of the of the podcast. But there was this guy that was having this AI firm of like, hey, you send us your data, we analyze it, and we give you a response all to automated artificial intelligence. It turned out mm-hmm. had like 600 Indian employees <laughs> doing the manual work. <laughs> That's the AI, 600 people doing your <laughs> Google search, basically. I was like, fuck. <laughs> That's where we're, we're, we're going, like just putting AI in the term of like the, the, the list of uh, offers that you have. Like, yeah, we do AI, <laughs> it's fine. Um, now blockchain is the, is the hype word. Now, if yeah. you put blockchain, you're going to get funded, even if you like yep. decentralized uh, coffee grinder. There you go create a new cool startup <laughs> yeah start up put it on uh, kickstarter yeah fund yourself for a million dollars and disappear yeah okay and the last bit of news for today it's gravity designer wants to go pro for a hundred dollars a year starting price a year. wow and, yeah a subscription model yay for an electron app that crashes yeah. if you have more than two screens now is this supposed to be kind of a competitor with um uh what's the ios app sketch um, sketch yes yes it it's supposed to yeah you're right it's supposed to be a competitor but it's totally not uh, i use gravity designer because it runs on linux but yeah it's an electron app it's totally built in javascript and it's slow as hell heavy as hell oh, sure. and it's yeah. really limited in a lot of things it's like it's far far behind any sort of competitor. Yeah, you can do way better things in Affinity Designers, even if it's not specifically built for UI and UX. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's not. Gravity Designer was acquired by Corel, the, the same like the, those people that do Corel Draw and stuff like that. And after that, they re- immediately released a, a blog post saying, "Hey, nothing will change. We'll still develop the free open source." No. Not open source. They're not open source. Just the free version of Gravit Designer. But we're gonna also see how to implement a pro version so we can get funded and make money. Of course, makes sense. <laughs> but then now they are 
they released some plans for the pro version and users are hating it because first the pro version doesn't have new features but actually they're gonna remove features from the free version <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah pay pro if you want to keep the same software that it was free right. before <laughs> with less yeah. features and uh and also that they decided to go with a subscription model hundred dollars a year while sketch that is a far superior software for mm -hmm. mac os it's $90 a year, so it's even $10 cheaper than Gravity yeah. Designer. And it's a native application, so it runs stupid fast. Instead, Gravity Designer, as I said, is yeah. Electron. So. This is why we need Acura. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, I'm building the canvas, and it's, it's happening. But I wasn't expecting to do so much math. Uh, just <laughs> seriously yeah. like calculating the shit uh, how complicated it is to calculate the rotation of a square and be sure that the mm -hmm. the, the knobs the, those little squares that you you click to resize it they follow yeah. the rotation and the coordinates and they don't go wherever they want i have an idea what you're talking about doing from in the past when i've done some game development like yes. if you want Okay, this thing's gonna track you and then and then shoot something at you. Like, mm -hmm. okay, well, what angle is it? Okay, now what line does that <laughs> yes. follow? X, it, Y, Z. It's like yes, stupid math. It's so complicated. Yeah, no, I, I am. I, I have the amazing Felipe Scotto, the the developer from Elementary, mm -hmm. that is helping me to figure out the math. And he's a genius. He's a he's a kid. He's like twenty three years old or something, and he's a He's a stupid genius. I hate him and I love him so much. <laughs> but he is, is writing, like he needs to write math on a piece of paper and do the calculation before <laughs> writing the code. It's just so complicated. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, no, so that's why we need Akira. We need at least like, I will, I will be willing to pay $100 for Gravity Designer if it was first a real pro version. So more features, uh, extra things that we don't have in the free version right now. And if it was a native application built in, like yeah. like Krita, Krita is built in Qt and it's native. It's not built on web technologies. So it's massively big, has a, thousands of features, but it's fast, it's stable. Or if it was like, I don't know, like Blender built in Python. Mm -hmm. Those are like, things that you're willing to pay because they're stable, yeah. uh, the, the code is solid. It's not just like a, a fucking a website wrapped around a container. Yeah, I mean, Blender is very powerful. I cannot imagine if it was an Electron app, it would no, just, just... It would just crash and burn. Yeah, sure. <laughs> kill your computer at once. Right? Launch it and die. That's it. <laughs> well, well, that's the, the, the full list of news for, for this episode. We got a couple of questions from the audience. And the first one, I'm going to redirect it to you because uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I have an answer, but I'm not really an expert in this. Uh, the first question comes from Merve Otsurk. It's a user that is following my mm -hmm. uh, plugin series for WordPress. And he's asking, is it good or bad using single tone? structure instead of creating every time a new object with like a new class and new instance yeah uh, this is a really good question um with like modern php modern php is is just stupid fast yeah. um and unless you are like doing some really heavy calculations and really just a lot of like heavy duty processes you're not going to notice a difference mm -hmm. um 
yes, a singleton is better because you're going to create this object in memory. And then anytime you need to grab something from it or have it do something, you can just access it directly from memory. So that's the, the fastest way, mm-hmm. as opposed to creating a new object where you're going to have, where the computer has to actually find a place in memory, allocate it, create the object there, um, you know, which nowadays is so fast that you're not even going to notice it. But a singleton would be uh, ideal mm-hmm. in that situation. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I'm I'm not an expert in this because since I started using PHP, I never had like the necessity of using singletons. As you said, it was like I never built that big of an application that required right. so much like handling data through memory, like cache memory, because it was just like yeah. too big. So yeah, I never professionally used singletons. I actually started using singletons for uh, Linux applications. Uh, for a really specific reason, like my, for example, like SQLer or Akira, you can open multiple mm-hmm. windows. And if you change the settings to from a window, all the other windows should reflect the same settings. Right. So if the global exactly. settings is don't show the labels or change the icons or I want a dark mode, you cannot have a, create a new instance of the settings per window everything should relate to the global settings of the application. So that's why in that case, using a singleton, it's good because you keep, it's just one instance and you reuse the same instance without creating a new one every time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, in PHP, I never actually used singletons because I'm I don't lazy. think I've ever done it in PHP either. Um, definitely done it in C Sharp. Yeah. Um, definitely done them in, in JavaScript too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I've ever done it in PHP. Nice, good. Hopefully we answer your question, Merve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second question that we got is from Asad Hudzaman. Huz- uh, which one is better, SAS or LESS? Uh, I don't know, they do exactly the same. They compile exactly the same way. I would say post-CSS is better, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've read articles that say SAS is better, but honestly, they, they do the same thing as long as you're Using some kind of preprocessor, you're, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, if you're still using this plain CSS, uh, you know, definitely take a look at, mm-hmm. at something. But um, yeah, if, if you're already comfortable with less, stick with less. If you're mm-hmm. comfortable with SAS, stick with SAS. Um, I mean, going back and forth between the two, there's some differences, but yeah. at the end of the day, they're doing the same thing. Yeah. So uh, SAS is built on Ruby, I believe. And uh, it's not going to be anymore. Uh, oh, in, it's yeah, in 2020 or something like, you know, here it's already deprecated. You can install SAS, I think via Composer Homebrew in macOS. Mm-hmm. Um, in, I don't know, in a year or two is going to be completely deprecated and out of Ruby. Uh, so you can install it independently. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Cool. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Uh, less the like the less um, coding syntax confuses me because it doesn't use the curly brackets. It just uses indentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's it's just confusing for me. I prefer SAS, but yeah, that's exactly identical. Yeah, you can do it with the SAS too. Like if you have a SASS packet or file, oh, it just really? uses the indentations. But if you do SCSS, oh. it uses the the brackets. Oh, that's true. Yeah, probably yeah. I'm getting confused with that. So yeah, no. Less. Yeah, but I know less. One weird thing about less is that the variables use the at symbol instead of the dollar sign. Oh. Uh, which CSS already uses for things like 
keyframes yeah. and uh, media queries. Uh, so that's a, a little bizarre that it's using the same thing. <laughs> Definitely bizarre. Yes, it's true. Well, I think that's it for the show for today. We're almost at the end, and uh, there's a new segment at the end of the show. I don't know why I put it there, but whatever. Uh, I, I was thinking maybe before concluding, we could suggest something to read, to listen, mm -hmm. to watch, something for the audience until the next episode that I'm not sure when it's going to be. But do you have any recommendation for our audience? I do. Uh, this is a, a book that I've I read about half of it several years ago, and then it disappeared. I actually found it again when I moved here. <laughs> disappeared in a bookshelf or in a box? or that... it, it ended up in a box, and then when we moved and I unpacked the box, I was like, oh, it's my book. <laughs> um, that is The Pragmatic Programmer by Andrew Hunt and David Thomas. Mm -hmm. um, they have code examples. I think it's in like Java or C or something. It, it's an old book, but they talk a lot about just concepts of like how you should think about a problem and um, and not just about code problems, but also about like work things, like how to uh, deal with change or to influence change to to kind of get what you want. Like, nice. You know, um, yeah, your company may be pushing you to use a certain technology. You want to use something else. How yeah. do you how do you make change happen? You can't do it just instantly. You have to do it over time. Yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of a good book to get you thinking about. Um, more like the big picture of coding as opposed mm -hmm. to just focusing on your little problems you're you're dealing with. Yeah, that's really interesting. It kind of relates to the problem of today that a lot of users, they learn first the tools mm -hmm. or the frameworks and they don't learn the basics or they don't learn the logic behind some decisions. Mm -hmm. So when there's a new framework coming out or a new tool, they're completely baffled or, or like confused because they don't know how to solve the same problem with another tool. Mm -hmm. So you should first understand the problem and understand the logic and yeah it's it's really interesting and never never heard about this book but it'll definitely do you know if there's an audiobook from this Probably. i don't know if there's an audiobook i know amazon sells a um like a digital copy you can you can download oh nice uh, and I, I think it's actually cheaper than the the uh the actual physical copy oh, wow. um so yeah they, they do have copies of that you can get but i'm not sure if there's a an audio it'd be interesting a programmatic program from journeyman to master is that one yes yeah from Andrew hunt oh wow the paperback is 55 dollars well it's it was not that expensive when i bought it <laughs> it's canadian dollars <laughs> i think i paid like 25 or 30 for it damn <laughs> oh oh that's, that's heavy okay well it's the new edition so oh no it's ah, from yeah. yeah october 20 1999 oh yeah why it's so expensive? <laughs> I, don't know. I think it's gained popularity over the years. So. Because of this podcast? Yeah. Because of us, yeah. <laughs> because uh, you said it and now it just Amazon heard us and just spiked the price immediately. Right. <laughs> yeah. Damn, Amazon always thinking about the money, hey? Um, from me, a uh, couple of recommendations. Of course, check my Laravel series that I just started. I have two new videos that I'm going to release next week, and it's going to be juicy. We're going to start understanding how controllers work and how to run our first database migration. Because after that, we can finally start using models, and we're going to complete sure. our overview of the MVC structure, which is going to be really, really fun. And then if you want to learn a little bit about blockchain, what it is, then the civil thing shenanigans, and if these new 
journalistic venture of having ethics and building journalism via ethic. Uh, check the Zigzag podcast because it was really fun. Uh, the two uh, hosts, owners, creators are two amazing women that they're doing they're documenting their life in starting these new business and considering investors or doing their own things and it's just it's really touching and it's 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 really it's really interesting like definitely check it out when you walk your dog or just like you don't know what to do <laughs> just listen to zigzag podcast it's so good and I think that's it. I think we did it. Yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Episode 36. Um, so where can we find you, Chris? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris J. Perko. Um, you can find me on YouTube. I'm sure Alex put a link in the description. Yes. Um, you can find me at chrisperko.net. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. <laughs> oh, nice. Where can, what, what can we expect from your YouTube channel now soon? Um, well, I'm going to be doing more Fitbit stuff. I've really been enjoying working with that. Nice. Um, eventually getting back into game development, doing some more intermediate stuff, doing cross-platform stuff for like Android, iOS, PC. Oh, nice. Um, and just kind of uh, just whatever sounds like fun at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good plan. Fantastic. Uh, yes, you can find all the links in the description below the video, including a timestamp with all the topics and links to the articles that we touched upon. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, all the stupid social network around the world. And um, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, uh, or now it's Apple Podcast. Yeah, they rebranded once again, Apple Podcast. Uh, give us a review put a one star five star zero stars whatever and write why you hate us or why you love us <laughs> but let us know just like yeah give us a give us a call <laughs> let us know how you're doing okay thank you so much guys until the next one happy coding uh enjoy you chris you want to say your tagline i yeah it's different <laughs> every time uh for those of you participated happy hacktoberfest oh nice that's a good tagline okay bye bye